So hello, so I said so just to put it in. Yeah. yeah. Hello and welcome to those vicar blokes. I'm Howell the nerdy vicar. And I'm Dave Coaches. Yeah, all right, yeah. Do you know I was I was I was my mind was going to you know, this merch that you am. Oh, that not that again. So, so, so we no. could have it. As, so, hello and welcome to those Vicar Blokes. I think we, we should, actually. I think that should be it, actually. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what I'll do. I'll write that down now. So, hello and welcome to those Vicar Blokes, right? Yeah. So, we'll do that. So I was talking to my nephew the other week, right? Because he don't... Um, the other day, we took him out because he's got engaged over Christmas, him and his girlfriend. And the um, same now, then, obviously. Well, and they, they, they found the, the podcast and that. And they they were kind of like had a kind of strange fascination with it, really. To be honest, with you. So how many right. yeah, how many listeners do you get and things like that? And they were just like, oh, you know. So yeah, they said I said about the merch, and they were just like, you can't have merch for that. You won't make any money though. I'm just like, no, we're not trying to make money. No, we're not trying to make money. Yeah. So what have you been up to then, other than not, um, annoying me? What do you mean annoying you? I'm never well, annoying. Well, yeah. Um. Oh. I went out for a, a nice meal with the group that we go out with. Oh, yeah. That was good. So that was on Saturday night. Um, we went to the Crown up off the A46 um, between Junction 18 and the turning for Marshfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forget the area. But anyway, that was quite nice. Yeah. Um, and on Sunday night, we got a £10 first bus ticket which is a group ticket for five people to travel unlimited all day in oh, the yeah. southwest region. And we went downtown for this light festival thing that's going on. And What's that? Did the, well, they got different light installations and oh, bits, right, artistic yeah. light installations in various places. Where is that then? Um, in the so Arbor or something? There's one in um, College Green outside the cathedral. Oh, yeah. There's one at the amphitheatre, you know, by the Lloyd's building. Oh, yeah. Um, Finzel's Reach, two in Queen Square, um, one at the bridge behind Temple Meads, one in the old bombed out Temple Church on Victoria Street, one in St. Stephen's Church in, um, just off the centre there. Oh, I know. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that so, sounds so, nice. So quite a lot of those. I, you know, I walked about four and a half miles walking around these things. That would be good for you, wouldn't it? was quite good to get the bus into town to do that and not have to worry about congestion charge and parking and all the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. Because you can't get into town and back from Culpit Heath for under a tenner no. um, in the car. No, not for four people. Well, I don't pay congestion charge. So I don't pay that. We don't on our little car, but that's only got four seats. Uh, so right, cause, yeah. And there was five of us, actually, not four of us, so. Yeah, yeah. So that was. Well, you know what it is. The poor must pay, and you know? we won't talk too much about that because we'll get into trouble. But, um, yeah, what have I done? Oh, I had a nightmare meal. We went out for a meal with uh, my nephew and his girlfriend and my sister and brother in law. Uh, we went out for this meal to celebrate um, yeah. and to help to say thank you to, you know, helping with the move and my father in law and all of that. Yeah, and, yeah. And all that. Yeah. So we went it. I'm not going to say where it was, right? But it was the worst ever. My 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 brother in law sent his food back. My sister sent his food back. And do you know how long we were waiting for the food? No, two and a half hours. No, honest to God. Wow! You tell me off air where it is, and I'll make sure I don't go there. It was horrendous. It was it was awful. We waited in for an hour and a half, right? An hour, an hour and fifteen minutes, right, from when we sat down to when the starters came, right? They were all right, the starters. 
And then there was about another 45 minutes and a bit until we were there for two and a half hours, we were, all oh, in all. Dear. It was just horrific. Did you order a dessert or did you not have to No, they offered that? us free desserts. So my brother-in-law went, I don't want a free dessert. I just don't want to pay for this. Okay. So they gave us twenty percent off, and yeah, but it was a lovely, we had a nice time, right? It was a good time, we yeah. Had a laugh, but it was just the food was just horrendous. So there we go. So what were we on about this one then? Well, if you will take them out to um, dodgy fast food joints in the area, <laughs> taking a McDonald's. No, but in fairness, I have been there in the past, and a couple of times yeah. it's been really nice. So things just, are very changeable, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. So it wasn't. I went somewhere I hadn't been before. So we're on about, in this episode, um, Nicholas Steno, who's a hero of the faith. More about him in a minute. Who else? What yeah. else are we on about? We talk about Lent. Yeah. What it's all about. Uh, why we bother. And we're on about um, The Chosen, the which Chosen. is um, the alleged Jesus film. Yeah. So um, hold on to the ads for the music. Right, so we're talking about someone no one's ever heard of today, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've just had to educate Dave on this because the point of this guy is that no one's ever heard of him. No, never heard of him. Never heard of him? No. No, his name is uh, Nicholas Steno and he's a hero of the faith. So he's our hero for today. And he, yeah, he's a hero of science. Isn't he? He's not. He's, he's not a, a hero of the faith. He's a hero of faith. He's a hero of science. And a hero of the faith. Oh, well, yeah. No, you can't have science and faith. Well, no, that's the point we're going to make. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So Nicholas Steno is a hero of science, right? I had a complaint last week. Oh, yeah? Because apparently some of our listeners did know about... Who did we talk about last week? Lord Shaftesbury. Yeah, Lord Shaftesbury. Yeah. And apparently we painted all people in ignorance, and some people do know about Shaftesbury. Oh. So apologies to anybody that Howell offended last week in what he said. <laughs> But he's not in the curriculum. That was the point no, I was no. making. Yeah, he's, That's he's right. not. The same as some people might know Nicholas Steno. They might not all be as ignorant as me. Well, that's um, true. Yeah, so. but but well, I think I think the point I was making about Shaftesbury is that it, he's not taught in the history curriculum in school and things. He's completely left out, and he's a left out of our culture. You don't have you don't have documentaries about him. You don't have no. you know you don't you, you know you don't learn about him. In the popular culture, do you? No. You know, he's not there. Um, you and don't the have same, a film about him. The same true of Steno, isn't it? Yeah, Nicholas Steno, yeah. So Nicholas Steno was around in the 17th century, so he was around in the late 17th century, so something like 1667, he converted from Lutheranism to uh, Catholicism, which is why he's a saint. And he's what was known as... Well, hang on, hang on a minute, hang on. So anybody who... Who was a Lutheran <laughs> but transfers to being a Catholic? They they get sainted, do they? Well, not really. Is no, it that miraculous. Are they no. that many poles apart? <laughs> no, he's because he, he it's because he was a great evangelist. That's why they ah, made him a saint. Right. Okay, he's a great evangelist and a good bishop. That's why they ah, made him a saint. Okay, fair enough. Right, and I was yeah. Okay, you've got me there. All right, yeah. It's not just because he converted from Lutheranism, but um, but yeah, so he converted over. But he was what's known as, there was lots of people like this at the time who were called polymaths. So um, what a polymath is, is people who know a lot about lots of different things. Right. So our education system at the 
GCSEs, not your eight GCSEs, right, across different subjects. Then you do three A-levels, and they encourage you to do A-levels like in science or humanities, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And then you do a degree, which will be even narrower. And then you, if you did go on to do a master's, that would be even more narrower. And then on to a PhD, which is so narrow, only about six people understand what you're on. You know, it, yeah. It's yeah. very, very specialised, isn't it? Well, back in the day, in the 16th century, with people like Nicholas Steno, Isaac Newton... Uh, Leibniz, um, all those sorts of people, right? They were polymaths. Descartes, another guy, he was a right. philosopher guy. He was a, a, a polymath. So he knew lots and lots about lots and lots of different things. So their education was really broad and it didn't finish at 20 or something, or 21. It continued throughout their life. So there was this idea of being a lifelong learner. Yeah. Right, see. yeah. And as well, if you were a bishop and things, unlike today, they, they didn't have their diaries sort of filled up for the next 400 years. They had time to do stuff. So he spent a lot of his time doing uh, geology and biology. Right. So Nicholas Steno invented geology. He's the founder of geology. I think you'll find that God was the founder of geology. <laughs> well, he discovered. Oh, uh, yeah. right. Okay. It's like Isaac Newton invented jog, uh, gravity. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Pretty he just, sure he never. <laughs> he never. Everything was I'm floating pretty off. Pretty sure it pre existed him. <laughs> yeah. So, Nicholas Steno, uh, in, basically, in Europe and across the world, Here's a question for you. Why do you think we believe in dragons? Why do you think there's thing the thing in the world called dragons that people have believed in dragons for so long? Uh, probably because discoveries were made of of an animal nature and that couldn't be explained by existing animals. That's exactly right. Therefore, they had to. There had to be a story that went with them. Exactly. So they're based on... So what would happen would they'd find dragon's teeth around the place, which actually were dinosaur teeth. So Nicholas Steno discovered dinosaurs. But he worked out that these... It's amazing, sh- isn't it, how these prehistoric teeth last so long, considering there were no dentists at the time. <laughs> Fossils. <laughs> <laughs> like, your teeth rot away through your human existence. But you can find <laughs> millions of years old dinosaurs. They obviously had a better NHS dentist yeah. system for dinosaurs than we have today, you know. They yeah, must have. T T Rex could get yeah. himself in if the we dentist. If we're still doing news, I'd tell you of the five hour queues to get into an NHS dentist that opened oh. up in Bristol. All right. Okay. So obviously the T Rexes had better ones, but what he did, he found these teeth right around the boat, and he basically discovered that there's layers in geology. So if you look at, say, a canyon or something, you can literally see the layers going down the rock, can't yeah, you? Yeah, different colours, different... That's know. it. And you can see sometimes, you can see like a black layer sometimes where that's where there's been like... Um, that's how they found out about the asteroid that hit the world and destroyed yeah. the dinosaurs. There's ash all over the world. Like, So he he, he discovered this thing called um, sterigraphy. St- st- I can't I can never actually say it. Basically, where there's um, layers of sediment, isn't it, that that go through, you can time things from. Yeah. yeah. Where you have different eras and things. So he discovered that, and he discovered basically dinosaurs. And he discovered that there were different uh, stratific... Yeah, strat- I can never say it. Stratigraphy, that's it, stratigraphy. So he discovered that there was these, these different layers, and he discovered that there were 
things around in the past, like dinosaurs, that aren't around now. So he laid the foundation for um, what we now understand as evolution. Right. Yeah. So he, he, he so he started all of the scientific discovery for that. Yeah, he started everything to do with that. So, uh, and it's actually Darwin when he was going on his uh, trip around the world in the Beagle, right, uh, off to the Galapagos Islands. He was reading some work based on on Steno's work, which was about these extinct creatures that used to be there. Right. And another guy called uh, Lamarck, who was another guy who did uh, a different type of evolution, which turned out to be partly right, actually, uh, Lamarckian evolution. Um, he knew that there used to be different types of animals that were around before us, right, or before now. Yeah. And this idea was opposed most vociferously Guess who really opposed this idea of change in the world, in an, an old world? Who's the people who really opposed this the most in the 18th century? Uh, well, probably the Christians. No? Don't like change. We don't do change. Well, there was that I'm guy... Anglican. Nothing changes in my church. Well, there, there was one guy called uh, Usher, who is the famous guy. The he guy had that, some songs in the 90s, didn't he? And I hated that guy. I hated that guy. Hate. That's it's a strong a, word. You think you want to... That guy, I couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand him as no, an artist. Uh, I really couldn't stand him. He wasn't my him. style of music, but I wouldn't go so far as to say I hate him. I just ignored him. Oh, I didn't really like him at all, really. But... Um, yeah, so Usher, who came up, what he did, this is the guy you will learn about. He's the school. guy who gives you the book at the wedding, right? Tells you where to Usher, say it. No, oh. Usher, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Usher was, uh, he was around exactly the, well, around the same time as Nicola Steno. And he's the person you do learn about in school, right? And I learned about him when I did A-level biology and GCSE biology. And the story goes that there was this bloke called Usher who added up all the ages in the Bible and worked out the world was 4,000 years old, well, 4,000 BC, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, some people still believe that now, don't they? Yeah, they do, but... The world was created in six... I know the guy. The world was created in six days, and it's 4,000 years old. That's him. Yeah, Yeah, that's him, right? 4,000 BC. 4,004... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he worked out it was 6 o'clock in the morning on a certain date, right? 4,000 BC, 4,004 BC, right? That's what I was taught in school. So up until Darwin, this is what I was taught in school, right? Up until Darwin, every and geology in the 19th century, every Christian believed that the world was 6,000 years old. But if you look at the history of Christianity, Usher's chronology was largely ignored. So if you look at, say, um, John Wesley, who was preaching around here, he, he basically said, no, 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 the the, um, the ages in the Old Testament, they're all figurative and we yeah, don't know. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So it was it was a very, very small minority. It's like, wasn't Moses like 700 years old or something ridiculous? Uh, I think Noah was like 900 yeah. years old and Moses was something stupid, yeah. You know, you, you can't take those things literally. Well, no. And, People only generally lived till they were about 30, 35 anyway at that point, for the most part. Most of it, yeah. The, if you made it to 40, you'd probably make it yeah. to 60, yeah. So it was kind of, most people died in their 60s, right, or 70s, uh, if they got past infancy. So the reason life expectancy is so low in the past is because so many people oh, right, died yeah, yeah. in there. Because in, it's an average, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the infancy, right? So basically, 
it was a minority opinion, very small minority. So who were the people who really opposed Nicola Steno, who really were dead against geology and uh, this idea of there being extinct animals? So, so because he was a Christian, would that be the people that were opposed to faith? Yeah. It was the atheists. But the atheists hated Steno's ideas, and they because they wrote, he was because he, he was setting out to prove how God's creation really worked. Basically, yeah, that's one thing. But the reason is that up until very, very recently, right, uh, atheists because they've been atheists for thousands of years, right? The atheist idea is the world has always been the same as it is now. So the world has never changed. So there's no need for a creator because the world just is. So there's been no geological change because the world just is. No, 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 no. That doesn't make any sense to me because... Well, that's what they believe. The atheists are the enlightened people who do believe that there's evolution and... And it all started as nothing and then just became something of its own accord. No, no, no. I think... Before the 1960s... Well, I can't remember that. I'm not as old as you. Well, yeah, yeah. Before the... the, 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 That goes back to what I said about the Big Bang, right? Is it's only in the 1960s that they proved the Big Bang, right? For something called the cosmic background radiation, right? And before that, the reason it's called the Big Bang is because uh, Fred Hoyle, who was the astronomer royal, made fun of it on the BBC because he was that's a stupid idea. Right. Because... Atheists always believed that the universe just was. Yeah. Right? It didn't change, it just was. So there's no need for a creator because it just is. And back in the 19th century, um, atheists were against geology. Not really evolution, because I hadn't caught on yet, really. Um, But they were really against geology because geology was really, really fashionable in the 19th century, like with dinosaurs and things. And the geologists was the guy who invented, who found an iguanodon and the other ones. He was a he was a priest, right? We'll talk about him again if we want. Yeah. He was a priest, and he used to go on tours giving talks around churches in Britain, all about geology and about. It was like the big thing everybody was interested in. Ah, right. These new dinosaurs and stuff, and the, the church thought it was brilliant because it showed that God had cre- how God had created the world. So they were all in favour of it, because it was, and it and it came from a Christian saint. Yeah. So, I think the reason I picked him as a hero of the faith really is why is it that it's I find that really disturbing. I don't know if you do. Is it because I've done more science than you in school and things? Well, absolutely, yeah. But it's not my science teacher, you know, Mister Atkinson. He just believed what was written in the book. But he was just teaching what was written in the book. And he was taught what was written in the book before him. But at some point, the book must have changed or something. And this new mythology of Christians hating science and geology and Christians all thinking the world is made in six days, that that was kind of invented, basically, in the late 19th century by a bloke called um, Andrew Dixon White. It's all invented by a bloke called, yeah, in, in the late 19th century. If you go before right. that, but it's taken over the whole education system and the whole of our culture. But why? I don't know. I mean, we talked last week about how the education system was really set up by um, 
by Christianity mm. in this country, you know. Everybody had the right to be educated. It couldn't only be the the rich and the wealthy, and it was for everybody. Mm. So a universal education system mm. um, was set up by the Christians. And then all of a sudden, why why does it then get corrupted to be this anti-Christian organisation? Well, I think with Andrew Dixon White, he was... Um, it's to do with... <laughs> history of American universities. So like Harvard and Yale and those ones are basically theology schools, the same as they were over years. So they were yeah. run by priests and stuff and things like that. So there was a movement. They wanted to have a secular university. So they set up Columbia University. Right. And that's where Andrew Dixon White was. And he was in a group of uh, scientists called the X Club, where they were all ex-Christians. And he was... He, he basically came up with a lot of the myths about uh, science and faith. He wrote a book called The <laughs> yeah, Warfare. Yeah, of... but they're not myths, though, are they? They're not myths because there are thousands, if not millions, of our brothers and sisters in Christ who hold to that usher view now hmm. of six-day creation. Even though it was debunked and he was largely thrown out as some sort of lunatic. Well, he wasn't a lunatic. He was just a kind of minority opinion, wasn't it? It really? was a minority so, opinion, but yeah. one that was seen as... A bit strange. Radical yeah, yeah. and not not right. It was... Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it, it, it was like... It, it was, was ignored. Kind of, it was, right. Yeah, it was an Maybe odd he idea. he wasn't seen as a lunatic, but he was seen as having a, a wacky idea that couldn't possibly be true. Yeah. So how is it that that, that now appears to be an opinion that is valid and authenticated in large parts of the church. Why is it so many Christians think that science disproves God and not proves God? I think it's because I think it's the power of mythology and I think that basically if you're told that to be a Christian you've got to be opposed to science and you've got to be you've got to believe this stuff. Um people people believe it because they, they believe in Jesus because of other reasons, like they have a relationship with him and all of that, and then they just accept this other stuff um, because they, they think they have to. They feel guilty if they don't. A lot of people... Yeah, but so when did the church's doctrine on it change? It never did. It never did. The, the, the church's doctrine on, like, uh, the Anglican Church has never accepted or said that the world is made in six days. The Catholic Church hasn't. It's all independent evangelical churches and stuff like that, mostly from America. It comes from America. In fact, the six-day creation thing uh, was popularised as recently as the 1950s from um, a prophetess of the... Seven day event. Yeah, but that guy who blocked me on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that guy. Yeah. It, that's that's his thing. He's on General Synod. He genuinely believes that the world was created in six days and on the seventh day God had a bit of a rest. So it is there in Anglicanism. It might not be widespread, it might still be a minority view. But bishops in theological colleges don't believe that. Like you went to Trinity, you were taught that in Trinity, were you? No. No. No, but if you then, wrote an essay saying this is that, you'd just fail it, wouldn't it? You'd be like, no. 
if you wrote an essay on Old Testament theology and said that the world is made in six days, and if you add up all the numbers, you can work out when the world was created, you'd fail. Well, I don't know, but I would I would expect to on that. Well, yeah. Because if I wrote that, I think I was writing it as a joke. It would be satire. But yeah, yeah. And I I I, I didn't have enough time on my hands for that. I don't know. I've often I don't know why Christians, but I understand why atheists believe it because it's kind of like there's a lot of it's ignorance. Because they take the Bible literally, right? So if you take the Bible literally, that's what it does. <laughs> but why would you do that? Because you've been taught to read the Bible literally. There's loads and loads and loads who take the Bible. Oh, I know that. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they only read the King James Version as well, because yeah. that's obviously the most authentic one. Do you, I think it's something in the sense where we live in a world of change, maybe, and there's been a lot of change, in, and, and they want to have something solid to, to to rely on. So they say, well, there's the only thing that's true in the world is the Bible. In a sense, it's kind of like worshipping a way of, of reading the Bible, because they want that sense of certainty. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In fact, I think they're kind of like two sides of the same coin. So when I talk to like like fundamentalist atheists and stuff, they're basically the same. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? They want yeah. that certainty of, which for a scientist is ridiculous, yeah. because you, you couldn't have... So in a sense, they both hold a ridiculous position that goes against their own, their own worldview. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're a scientist, you're not supposed to go for certainty, are you? But they they preach kind of certainty. No, but we do the same thing to science as we do to Christianity, don't we? We hold things up and um, and claim that the scientists make these statements with absolute certainty. Yeah, it's done. And they to never them, do. Yeah, They're always yeah, working yeah. probabilities, don't they? Oh yeah. And but that's and done scenario. by maybe you could blame the media. Maybe it's that as well. Is that the media? Um, push these narratives, don't they, all the time? I don't yeah. know. I I think it's because there's it's in the culture. I remember being a little boy and thinking the world wasn't made in six days, so I must believe it. And I and I always remember um, uh, I talking to my priest when I was about twelve, and I said to him, Father, um, they said in school that I can't be uh, a Christian and believe in evolution, but I do believe in evolution. And I said to him, and he said to me, well, the Pope has said that there's nothing wrong with believing in evolution. It's, it's completely fine. And I said, oh, well, I said, so why have they told me that, that I have to, I can't believe in evolution then? And he said to me, that's the real question. Yeah. And, then asked the, and I don't know the answer to that. So if anyone does know the answer to that question, let us know. And, and if you do hold that view of uh, the bloke on Twitter of a, a literal interpretation of Genesis and things like that. Maybe you'd be interested to have a chat about why. Check our back issues. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and have a have a ch- have a think about why. Why why do you and have a chat to us about it? Because I genuinely like to know. Yeah. Because I, I can't fathom it. So in a minute we'll be talking about uh Lent. So thanks for listening to those Vicar blokes. Uh, I will get the merch sorted, okay? Yeah, I will do it. All right, so in the meantime, please subscribe, comment, and uh, and if you want us to watch something, please let us know.
Right, so Lent is coming up in a couple of weeks, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. So what I've is Lent? I've out the Lent course. Yeah, you have, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Lent course. Uh, have a look in the magazine. I'll put a link in the description about it if you're local to have a do it. It's all on Holy Week, isn't it? It's all on Holy Week, and you wrote it, didn't you? I did, yeah. And then we're going to do the... Um, we're going to talk about it. I had to approve it, though. You did have to approve it. Because it's under my responsibility. You had to go in there with your red pen and uh, have a look at it, yeah. So we're doing that across the home groups and on a Tuesday afternoon and a Tuesday evening, we have a special lead course. Uh, The afternoon ones uh, I'm doing and you're doing the Tuesday evening? I've got Monday evening. Monday evening, is it? Yeah, and there's a Monday afternoon in the diary as well now at St. Peter's in Frampton. Oh, right. So So a lot of people are doing it. There's a good number of sessions. Oh, right. Um, Okay. Let me know if you want to do it on a Thursday in Winterbourne. Right. Okay. So I'll have a look and um, I'll put the link in the description for it and you can find out where you can do the Lent course. But what is Lent then, Dave? Why do we bother with Lent? Lent's a period of preparation. Right. For but what? For Easter. Well, for Holy Week, really. Yeah. And Easter. Yeah. So we're we're getting ourselves ready and putting ourselves in the right spiritual, physical, mental state in order to be ready for the um, onslaught of Easter. So why do we bother with Lent then? What, 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 why do we... Where does it come from, basically? Is it is something... Like some people would say, these seasons are just made up. Who cares? Like, you know, well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because Advent and Lent are both seen as seasons of penitence. Yeah. Um, and so it it's a, a self observation. Um, it, it's to it's a period where we um, truly look at ourselves and analyze what we're playing at and what we're doing. It's a little bit like the Christian equivalent of making a New Year's resolution in lots of ways. Yeah, it's it is. a bit like a second yeah. chance. It, you know, <laughs> you, you you made your New Year's resolution. It lasted a few days. Um, you didn't involve God in it. Let's see if we can do it again in in Lent and actually change ourselves for good, not just for Lent. Yeah, uh, and and it's that's what it's meant to be about. It's meant to be about reflecting on. On, on yourself and making yourself more to be in God's image. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing with Lent is it's almost the op- There is a secular Lent, which is January. Yeah. Um. So the, the secular idea is that in December you go out and you eat and you drink loads and you overindulge and you go over the top and you do what they seen as bad things, right? Because the only thing that's sinful now is eating and drinking, really, isn't it? Um, and then in January, you go to the gym a lot and annoy me and uh, kind of try and put your health right and give things up. So it's kind of like the opposite way around. So with Christianity, we're preparing for the celebration. Dry January. Dry January. AKA give your liver a rest. That's it, yeah. So dry January is the opposite of Lent in a sense because in Lent, we're preparing for a celebration. Yeah, that's why we have Pancake Day, isn't it? Yeah, because that is the day when you eat forty-eight pancakes laden with all the things that are not allowed, not good for you. Fat Tuesday. Yeah, Fat yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. Fat Tuesday. So we yeah. have, uh, yeah, because then on Ash Wednesday we, um, we Mardi Gras. Mardi. Well, that's Fat Tuesday, isn't Fat it? Tuesday, yeah. 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 So do you want to say a bit about Ash Wednesday? Well, that's about then, Dave. Um, Ash Wednesday is the day when we we lay our sins before God and we're marked with the cross in the old 
rituals of sackcloth and ashes in effect yeah um in order that we are forgiven of our sins um and we can be more oh, i'm reluctant to use the word holy or the word righteous but it's a it's a self-reflection thing we're invited to reflect on 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 ourselves and to to set ourselves in a spirit of repentance yeah what's repentance mean repentance is more than saying sorry it's turning away from the things that are bad and turning towards it it means to turn doesn't it repent is to turn turn of the mind yeah yeah. so it's to is to set yourself in the in the right direction yeah that being god's direction so you go up and you have uh, some the palms from the previous, which is what I, I know is a little bit of an aside. Yeah, um, but I'm going to throw it in anyway. Um, when church, either national institution or wider than national institution church, talk about repenting of the sins of our forefathers. Mm. So, um, you know, when we look at slavery and we look at all the great work that Wilberforce did. Yeah. If you and I and the Church National don't currently buy into slavery, then we're not in a position where we can repent of that because we've already turned and faced the right way. Yeah, So we hope that our our act of repentance happened a long time ago. If if we're still pro-slavery, then we should repent. But But, we're not, though. So there's a difference between repentance and recompense and i think some of the language used confuses the two things yeah so i think that's that's something that's important really is in lent is a is a time of repentance about changing your mind and changing your life uh examining yourself and saying you know these are the parts of myself owning up really to the parts of yourself which are negative destructive to people around you and yourself mm. bad habits um because i think most of it's kind of bad habits um bad um choices that we make yeah those sorts of things um yeah and i think that's and that's why we give things up in lent not because they're bad things but we give things up to deny ourselves to yeah, but that's where we get it wrong though in lots of ways and because what we use it as is um, the Christian version of January instead of... of yeah, you know, we've, yeah. We've reversed what we've done. And so lots of people will give up chocolate for Lent. Yeah, um, booze. Even if they only ever had one bar of chocolate a month anyway, all of a yeah. sudden, to deny yourself that is somehow... But if it doesn't draw you closer to God, if it doesn't enable you to recognise the bigger things in your life that you've got wrong, then it's, it it really is without the fruits is meant to bring. It's meant to be a reminder to yourself to reflect upon yourself. So a physical reminder. So I gave up coffee one year and caffeine. And that was really good. Not because I was drinking too much coffee, I suppose. But it was good because it reminded me throughout Lent about what I was supposed to be doing, to reminded me yeah. to be repentant. So it wasn't the coffee was bad, or I was doing too much of it, or anything like that. It was used as a reminder. So 
if you give up something that you enjoy, whatever that is, like a luxury, then the when you want the luxury, you then think of God. Yeah. Not that the it's luxury... Meant to draw you closer to God yeah. and not help you to lose half a stone. Exactly. So the intention has to be right. Yeah, and I think that's where we get it wrong. So the idea of self-denial is a way of physically, with your body, remembering that um what you what you want to do so like fasting is a physical um a physical thing that you do so when you get hungry you think of god yeah that's what all societies have well not all but a lot of societies have done that's the point of of lent is that time of self-reflection uh and trying to turn away from sin because i do think a lot of the time we have a kind of instant magic approach to repentance where we think that, you know, oh, I've met Jesus now and I've given it to the Lord, so therefore it's over and it's done. And I'm like, no, it don't work like that. No. Because transformation is not an instant thing through magic. Yeah, but I'm still doing it, but I'm still forgiven. Well, that's not transformation, well, no. then, isn't it? And that's not repentance, is it? No. But I do think there is that narrative sometimes of, you know, I've said sorry to God, therefore magically now it's all better and I'll never do it again, which is just fake. I really don't like the word sorry. Don't you? Why not? Um, but Elaine likes it when you say it all the time to her. No, she'd, she'd <laughs> absolutely detest it. Really? If I said sorry and then did the same thing again. Your yeah, attitude not... would be, but you're not sorry, are you? Because if you were sorry, you wouldn't keep doing it. Well, that's true. And that's that's that. Uh, so when when you get your little bully in the playground, mm. and and his mum says okay, or the teacher says okay, you need to say sorry now. It's just a cheap word. But they need to stop sorry. doing what they're doing. They? Sorry, and then ten minutes later they've done it again. Yeah, say sorry, yeah. sorry. Well, they're not sorry. They're not... The The word sorry is misused and cheapened and made nothing because um, parents and teachers make you say sorry, and they but they don't actually make you sorrowful or sorry for what you've done. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing with repentance, is it's actually trying to realise the true reality of who you are and what you've done. And actually then realising that and turning away from it, which is actually an extremely difficult yeah. thing to do, really. And we're not we're not comfortable with guilt. Do we think guilt is a bad thing? Well, I don't think it is. No. I think... I think well, well, yes and no. Um, there is an element that that being... that feeling a sense of guilt is fruitless. Well... Guilt exists in order that we can change. Um, but once we've changed, then the guilt should only be there as a reminder of, of, of to, to not change back. Yeah, but guilt is like, I always say guilt is like whiskey. A little bit of it is good for you, and it's nice, right? You're so Roman Catholic. But it was true. And then, but too much guilt will kill you. So guilt is actually, it's it's in the right proportion. If guilt is the thing that brings you to repentance and aids repentance, that's a good thing. 
I agree with that. And that's why I'm saying guilt is is a good thing, like whiskey, a little bit of it that brings you in the right direction towards God and towards the I mercy would, of Christ. I would say that I would like to separate the word guilt from the recognition of your sin. But guilt is the thing that, that allows you to do that, isn't it? Well, I think it is, but I think that we that we should be aware that our sins are forgiven. That's the difference. Therefore, be assured of the forgiveness of our sins. For those who truly repent, it's right there in our. For those who truly repent, the burden of them is intolerable, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, from the BCP, the Book so, of Common Prayer. So, so there is an element that that you can't you can't just give away your guilt and carry on doing the things that you've done. Um, but you can give away your guilt and follow a better way of living and interacting with others that enables that guilt to be gone and uh, on the assurance of the forgiveness of your sins. Yeah. And I think that's important. And that's an important part of my priesthood to be oh, yeah. um, part of that reconciliation between God and humanity. But that's what we do in a sense when we do confessions and other things like that and we assure people that they are forgiven. We don't give forgiveness in the sense that we assure them that they are forgiven. And a lot of pastoral work is actually pointing people towards the justice and mercy of God so they don't get caught up in bad guilt. They don't get caught up in that whole self-destructive guilt of I know good, nobody loves me, how can God yeah, care I suppose about me and all For me, that. there's a difference between guilt and recognising your faults. Uh, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm drawing a divide that doesn't truly exist. But then that's because um, I think vocabulary is limited. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's, it, like a lot of things, in if it's not pointing in the right direction, if the guilt is driving you away from God, yeah. that's not a good thing. Yeah. But if the guilt is driving you to God, that's got to be good. That's because that's what true repentance yeah, is. Yeah. And I think I, there's a danger sometimes that we overcompensate in both ways. Like we're very conscious of like not sort of whipping ourselves and saying, "Oh, I'm so awful and God can't love me." We're aware of that. We yeah. think that's a bad thing to do, right? Yeah. But we're not aware of, oh, well, I said sorry to God now, so it's fine, and I'm better, and I'm different now which is just fake. Yeah. This I'm saved now, so it's okay. And I'm just like, I've never bought into that. No. Just because I know myself too well. I'm too much of a sinner. Yeah, I think that's... No, you meant to say, no, you're not a sinner like that. You no, have to... no, you no, are. no, no, no. <laughs> you but, are. But you are, because oh. we all are. Uh, and that's why we need a period that uh, comes around at Lent, so as we can really, truly analyze ourselves and i know you don't believe in any of this improvement stuff but oh um, i think we can yeah i think we can i think i'm not saying i don't believe that we can be better i think we can i think we can never be perfect yeah. i think as individuals and as societies we can progress towards god and towards goodness but what i'm also aware of a lot of the time is there's something in us which is kind of restore default settings we have a kind of factory reset in us, yeah. and sometimes we go back to our old ways, don't we? Mm. 
So I'm I'm a bit yeah. conscious of the danger of sin and and evil, and the power of it to kind of ensnare us when we're not, um, we're not paying attention. Yeah, uh, and I think going back to what you're saying with slavery is, I think you can only be truly repentant and truly um, self-reflective if you live in a forgiving environment is if you understand the true mercy and forgiveness of God, then you'll be honest with yourself yeah, and about your own sin. Yeah. And I think that's the key. Um, while I think today we live in a massively unforgiving society where we believe that we can never be forgiven. So the guilt that we're told to feel as people from, you know, white people from Britain, for example, about slavery is not good guilt. That's a thing that's used to control. Yeah. I think. And I think that there's a lot, there's not a lot of forgiveness in our society now. Because what you said is we're all sinners and that equality of sinfulness and the equality of the fallen nature of humanity is the core of Christianity. And I think that's something we're forgetting. That we think that certain people are more sinful than others. Are more, are more less forgivable than others, and things like that. Now, I think that's yeah. really dangerous. That is. Yeah, I think it is. Because, like you said, is it? We should be conscious of the sins of slavery, and we should learn about it, and that should make us more conscious about making sure it doesn't come back now, as much as we can. Yeah. So when we buy our pre-money from Premark, we should be aware of that. Yeah, and when we see the um, uh, guys in town with their sponges cleaning cars, we should be asking questions about that. Yeah. Well, focusing on, if we focus on the sins of our past, that should drive us into a better future today, because there's nothing we can do about. The yeah, past. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see absolutely nothing wrong with institutionally repenting of the sins that we that we are committing. Um, and striving to to not commit them anymore. Oh yeah, but I, have, but I have a real difficulty in 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 using the language of repent for something that for which the current breed of Christian had no control over. I can only be forgiven for things that happened post nineteen seventy seven, and you can only be forgiven for things that happened post nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, but even then, I'd say that not everything that happened since nineteen seventy seven or seventy eight is, is your all fault. our fault. Well, no, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to think. I'd love to think that I have that much power, but sadly not. No, that's right. But you know, interestingly, I um I take my brother's car insurance premium down by my very existence and adding myself to his policy, and that's about as much power as my existence has. <laughs> Pause. Right. Uh, we'll leave that one there about Lent. Is Lent is basically a time of repentance where we give up things and prepare... Personal reflection. Personal reflection, yeah, yeah as we prepare for Easter. Uh, in a minute, we're going to be talking about The Chosen, which we were asked to watch. You are listening to Those Vicar Blokes. Click like... Click subscribe, tell your friends, let everybody know how good we are.
So we're on about uh, so, 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 so. The Chosen. Did you make it through the first episode? No. I did. Well done. Yeah, so we were asked to watch The Chosen. We were asked to watch The Chosen. Do you want to say what it is? But I I couldn't work it out. The Chosen on the basis that um, the person I was talking to, it was their basis of uh, biblical story. Right. It was like the Bible illustrated in a way and that it was going to give us uh, a compilation of the Gospels in some sort of chronological order that could be understood. Yeah. Um, like the crown does about the royal family. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, it was about as accurate as the crown is about the royal family because um, <laughs> it didn't focus on the stories of the bits that I watched uh, that actually come from the Bible. I was struggling to work out which bit of the Bible it was meant to be, but it seems as though what I was watching is the building of a backstory to create the character that was then going to be in the Bible. It was Nicodemus is in the first episode. He is, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's corrupt, isn't he? So I thought that was a bit harsh because it painted him as corrupt quite early on. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was willing to manipulate people for others, for yeah. the Romans. He was in for, he was in with the Romans, weren't he, yeah. basically? And he tried to do an exorcism later on and he failed. And he failed, yeah. Yeah, he tried to do that. and um, But... But who was the woman he was meant to be exercising of the demon? Mary Magdalene. Because I couldn't work out who she was, because yeah, that's not biblical, is you, it? You find that out later on that it's um, Mary Magdalene. Oh, I but got she bored. did have seven. She did guess. She did have seven demons and things. That is a thing that yeah. she was, you know. Yeah, but, but there's no bit in the Bible where we see those no. being attempted to be exercised by Nicodemus, is there? No, no, no. All we know about Nicodemus in the Bible is he came to Jesus by night, didn't he? Yeah, and he had that conversation about I am the way that um, sorry, um, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, yeah. and all of that. And uh, he buried Jesus with Joseph of Arimathea, isn't it? Yeah, that's all we know. And he was on the council of um, the um, Sanhedrin, wasn't he? Yeah, that's so, it. But we needed to paint him in this, the chosen in the first episode, as being something inherently evil. What was going so on? That with was those... a bit anti-Semitic, wasn't it? Well, I don't know about anti-Semitic. It was a bit. Well, I don't know if that's anti-Semitic, but all the other people in it are Jewish and they were all right. Well, I suppose. Yeah? I suppose. You know, um, it was just a bit, I I couldn't, it was a big thing. Like, I remember it was like on people's bios in social media, watch The Chosen and all of that. It was like a big thing a few years ago, wasn't it? In certain circles and stuff, weren't it? And people going on about it and all that. So I was sort of looking forward to it a bit. I thought this would be better than one of these Dave cop drama things, but it was. But you were wrong as usual. Yeah, yeah. It was. I I don't know. I just it it sort of left me a bit cold, really. I just thought, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't get into it. No, I I so wanted it to be good, and it wasn't, and I felt hugely disappointed with it. Do you get what they were on about with that weird? Um, there's a doll, didn't they, with a scrap of paper in it? Yeah, saying, yeah I didn't know what that was all about either. I am the something or other, isn't it? It was, it was, it was reciting the um, the God of Abraham and Isaac and, yeah. the, and the blessing, a, a, a Jewish yeah. blessing, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, but that was biblical. We knew. Yeah, it is. We, it's from Isaiah. Yeah. 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 But it's sort of, um, but I couldn't work out. I think that was just a prayer that they were. Yeah, but if you never done that, I used to carry. Um, Psalm twenty three verse six 
Did it? In my wallet. Oh, right. No, I've Surely, never done goodness that. and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Um, no, I've never done that. It's just something that. That's quite a nice thing to do, though, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, so I, I think yeah. that, that in the sense that this was some form of obviously comfort doll that yeah. had a passage of scripture that was comforting Yeah. when... When she was getting all, ex, you know... Yeah, and it was at the bits where she was being less demonic, for want of a better word, that she would refer to that because it would take away the anxiety and the pain and the and the... And the Torment, it's like a prayer rope, so I so. kind of get that yeah but again it's, it's backfilling a biblical narrative and I think I think what's important to realise is that the Bible is not everything that happened in the three years in the life of Jesus no no it's, no. it's edited highlights yeah it is um, yeah and, and there will be untold stories that would have occurred um, in the life of Jesus that none of the Gospels have captured. Oh, yeah, loads. Um, yeah. And, and the people that he encountered did have lives and they did have histories and there and, and there, there are things that we just don't know about them. What bothered me is that we were trying to paint things on them, having read the bit at the start that says it's based on the biblical yeah, narrative yeah, yeah, yeah. and some scenes are... Or added for illustrative purposes. Well, the whole everything episode I watched was added for illustrative. <laughs> um, I, Maybe I, I it'll get it better. Was I don't know if it was important for us to truly know the backstory of the people that we're dealing with. We'd have had more information if you believe that the that the Bible is an inspired document. But because the passages in the Bible in some way relate to everybody. We don't need the difficult backstories. I yeah, I'll give a counterpoint to that. Right, is I think they were trying to make a theological point. Right, so if you watch the whole episode, right, um, yeah, bored, so I couldn't. I know that. Yeah, but if you watch the whole episode, right, is at the end she meets Jesus, right, and Nicodemus says that the reason because he doesn't and he's doubting himself all the time about where because he's told that he must understand everything about God, right? Because yeah. he's a teacher of the faith and he doesn't, and he's doubting what he's been told, right? And then he says, because he couldn't exercise her, that the reason that she is got these demons is basically because she's such a sinful woman that she's got so deep into sin that uh, these demons are unexcised. There's nothing you can do for her. you just got to throw her out. She's beyond the pale, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, Jesus turns up and obviously he'll exercise her or whatever in the next set. So I think the point they were trying to make is that it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, you're not beyond the um, beyond the pale. That God oh, can enough. always... I think yeah, that's... Yeah. But they just took 40 minutes to but do it. I didn't it. give it enough time to work that out. Well, they, they just took 40 minutes to do something they could have done dead quick. And, and maybe it would have been better if they had... Um, it was a more recognisable biblical narrative. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, um, because it was it was lots and lots of different strands coming together, like they had Peter and Andrew and stuff like that, and he was just like, yeah, get on with it. So it was yeah. a bit like, um, you know, in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where they have that bit where they go, get on with it. Mm. Yeah, it was a bit like that. Yeah. Yes, yes, that, get on that, with that it. That is exactly you know. how I felt. You know, yeah. 
I thought, oh, this this clashing of the Gospels isn't working for me. I'd like this to go through at the pace of the Gospel according to Mark. Well, Keep and immediately. Moving, you know, let's... <laughs> and once, immediately, yeah. and immediately, and immediately. Yeah, I wanted some more immediately in, in the... Kaiangelion, if we do it in Greek, that's yeah. the... And immediately, and immediately, yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a bit it's a bit intense. So yeah, so we didn't really like the chosen very there much. There are better things that give you the story of Jesus in video form. Yeah, um, Miracle Maker. Um, I'm just looking at my thing. The Gospel according to Matthew is quite good. AD Kingdom and Empire is That's quite good. Really for the good story that is. That's really good. That is. Um, but yeah, there's better ones. Risen is quite good as well. That's from uh, that's that's another different take. That's not biblical, but it's quite interesting. I quite like that. So there we go. Yeah. So next time we'll be talking about the hero of the faith is Juani Lumbi, who is the Archbishop of uh, Uganda. Right, right. And uh, we're talking about temptation, temptation, yeah. and some dodgy cop drama. Yeah. Payback or something, isn't it? Payback on it's ITVX. Not, yeah, not the Mel Gibson film Payback. No. No, just a, a ITVX one. So we'll see you next time. Be the best and the best.